Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation is all brewing. Amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is a Mastering 40 episode, a very special episode for me, because we're doing a uh, kind of a similar thing that we did um, back in the early fall, which is me talking to Stevie Lynn from Inside Tracker, going over my Inside Tracker numbers after taking my second ultimate test through Inside Tracker, where they basically they test my blood, we come back with um, basically my results on my 43 biomarkers, as well as an inner age score, which is new, which is new for me. I haven't done this one before. Basically, we all know our chronological age. Uh, there have been times where I forgot my chronological age. <laughs> as I got into my later 30s, sometimes I did forget. Am I 37 now or 38? But all right, we know our chronological age. The inner age test is more of how actually is your body doing? And for me, my inner age was actually older than my chronological age, not what I was hoping for. So we dive into all of this in this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear that. Uh, Before we get into that, I do want to kind of give an intro, a longer intro than I normally do, just to talk about what my running is like. I'm not talking to my running coach, James McCurdy, or my sports psychologist uh, today, uh, Adrian Langelier. Uh, basically, I'm doing this longer intro that I'm getting into with Stevie, um, just just to change things up. And frankly, I haven't been running. So <laughs> there's really not much to say on the running end. Um, if you listen to the last episode, and if this is your first time listening to our Mastering 40 episodes, basically, we started last summer after the worst uh, athletic year of my life. Wanted to have the best athletic year of my life so that this coming summer, 2021, wanted to break 40 in the 10K at age 40. So that's kind of the, the thought behind it. Um, right before the last episode, I kind of tweaked my knee a little bit. I thought it was going to be like a three-day injury. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. Well, I still wouldn't call it a big deal, but it's certainly not a three-day injury. Um, I got back. I basically took two full weeks off of running, one full week off of um, basically everything, because even the, getting on the bike was kind of irritating it a little bit. So then last week, I didn't run at all, but I did get on the bike, and that was worthwhile, for sure. I was able to push myself, did one hard workout, and then I did some easy rides. Uh, nothing too crazy, but it was something. So I, that was nice. And then I thought I was ready to run. So I did do a run earlier this week. It was like you know a couple miles, then I ran 3.8 miles, and then I took a day off. And I was like, all right, I think I'm back. I think I'm, I'm back to it. And then I ran yesterday. And after two miles, I stopped because I was starting to feel some some irritation in my knee. I already had a scheduled PT appointment for later that afternoon, went, and that went well, actually. So my PT, Dennis Lanny, was doing all sorts of things with my knee, moving it around and um, really working the the inside of the knee, like the, the medial, um, I'm sorry, the meniscus on both sides, but mostly on the medial side. And it felt good. In the appointment, and he was like, "Hey, this this looks good. Um, you know, you want to be careful, make sure you're not you're hurt, not hurting yourself, but you can definitely keep trying it out." Went for my run today, hoping to run for 45 minutes, and I right around the three mile mark, started acting up again, and kind of the same way I was acting up a couple weeks ago, which is not quite what I was hoping for. So, I'm not gonna run again till at least next Tuesday. I'm recording this on Thursday night. So next Tuesday uh, will be my next run. I'm gonna try to hop on the bike this weekend since last week the bike didn't irritate my knee. 
So as long as that's still the case, and that'll be fine. Putting all of this into perspective is in my last conversation with my running coach, if you heard it, then you already know. Basically, what, what went down was my running has had been going fine. So I was progressing at a pretty linear path uh, up from last August. Um, but in order to kind of get to the next level, I really needed to kind of start upping the mileage. So I had, you know, basically 40 miles a week or so on the calendar for the, for the past month, and I wasn't quite getting there. Now, I wasn't missing any workouts. I wasn't skipping whole days or anything like that, but it was more like, all right, I cut the cool down short on a couple runs, or like maybe I ran five and a half instead of six on a day or two. So I just wasn't quite getting that last five to 8% each week. So it wasn't a, a killer, but I'm trying to do something I've never done before. So I can't be skimping out on these things. So it was it was def- definitely something short of a come to Jesus moment, but you know, it was definitely my coach telling me, hey, like, you know, we gotta we gotta do everything, right? We gotta cross the T's and dot the I's. We can't be skimping out on these little things because we're trying to up the mileage. We're not trying to hover in the in the mid to high thirties. So that was like basically what we had talked about. And then here we are three weeks later and like, I'm not running at all. So again, it's not the end of the world or anything. Um, I don't foresee this being a long-term issue. I'd be shocked if it was, um, but it's just a matter of trying to do what I can do without trying to be, you know, negative about it. So for me, that, what does that mean? So it means, Hey, getting on the bike and making the most of it. And this reminds me of a book that I just finished up and I actually interviewed Matt Fitzgerald about it a month and a half ago. I'd read most of it by the time we that we had spoke, but I, fi- I finally finished it a couple weeks ago. And that's The Comeback Quotient. It's a great book. And in that book, Matt references many times um, throughout the pages about being an ultra realist with the idea of that being if you're an ultra realist, then you're able to look at your circumstances clear headed without judgment and make the most of them, make the most of your circumstances, basically, you're not being hijacked by preconceived thoughts or emotions or things that you want to do or don't want to do. Just more of like, hey, this is what's happening. And what does that mean for me? And what can what positive thing can come out of this? Because not everything, even in bad circumstances, there can be potentially positive outcomes. Not everything can be positive, right? But there can be slivers of positivity within the greater negative. And he gives a whole boatload of examples. I'm sure he has even more that he didn't include in the book. And I'm looking at that right now, like, okay, I can exercise. I can hop on the bike. Well, then let's hop on the bike, right? That's not that's not a negative. Um, and maybe it's a positive, right? Because part of why my PT thinks that I had some uh, some knee issues was that I just wasn't activating my glutes correctly, especially on my left side. Well, riding a bike is you know that's a it's a lot of butt that's happening when you ride a bike, right? I mean, you're using your glutes big time when you're riding a bike. So maybe that's a positive. Um, And there's plenty of other positives as well. So uh, I'm not going to harp on the negative here, but at the same time, I also don't want to hide the negative. I don't want to hide the circumstances that I'm in. And that's why I'm doing this. So uh, I haven't been complete, I wouldn't say that I haven't been open about it, but I haven't been, you know, really taking any deep dives into this over on Instagram where I share a lot of this journey. Uh, rambling underscore runner is where you can find me over there. And usually I do, I do track my running pretty carefully or, you know, pretty consistently over there. I just haven't done it the past two weeks in part because when I'm in this, these kinds of situations, 
I want, I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, right? So I want to be able to tell, say what's going on, but I don't want to be like Mr. Negativity because like, I know it's like not that big of a deal and you know, that sort of thing. So, um, that's not the best excuse, but that usually is like enough for me to procrastinate on sharing this kind of thing. So here I am trying to give the full download on what's happening. Hopefully three weeks from now, when we record our next Mastering 40 episode, I'm back to running and things are working and you know, I'm going down the path. Uh, ultimately, you know, the goal is to break 40 in the 10K. Um, I'm not close to that right now. Will I get close to that this summer? I think I can. But the fact is, is that when I started upon this journey, I was of the belief, right or wrongly, that almost everything would have to go right for me to get it. Now, there have been plenty of you who think that I'm going to smash this goal and so on and so forth. And boy, do I appreciate the positivity and I love the support. I really do. I, I was never of the belief that this was going to be smashed. It was more of like, if I got this thing, it was going to be by the skin of my teeth because I've never done it before. And I was coming in the most out of shape I've been in a long time. And here I am, right? We're about, you know, I think we're 100 days or 90 now, 99 days until um, the Olympic track trials, which begins in late June. So we're talking really for me, 120 to 140 days left. So that's about four months left. And I'm not starting a square run right now. I haven't lost all of my fitness, but I'm not quite where I want to be either. That's for sure. And that doesn't take into account where I might be two weeks from now. Hopefully I'll be in a good spot. Hopefully I can hit it up on the bike and work hard. And um, despite maybe instead of even losing fitness, maybe I gain fitness uh, on the bike. I guess that's certainly a possibility. Uh, but we shall see. So before we get into my conversation with Stevie Lynn, I do want to give a shout out to one of my year-long sponsors here on the Mastering 40 Journey, Tracksmith. Boston-based brand that is just, just, it's unbelievable. Not only the products that they put out for runners, but how they support so many runners from elites to sub-elites to everyday runners like you and I. They are just doing so many amazing things just for the people within running, but their products are top of the line as well. A lot of their spring products are starting to come out now, in fact. I've been talking to you about their No Days Off collection, which was like, this really great stuff that would keep you running in any kind of weather condition. Really cool. Now their spring stuff is starting to come out. I love, 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 love their running shorts and shirts and t-shirts and long sleeve shirts. They are just the best stuff. I wear it around the house when I'm not running. I really do. I love their session pants. I love the session shorts for sure. And all their tees. They have a lot of different kinds of t-shirts too. If you just look at their website from afar, it looks like they just have different names. A lot, Every kind of t-shirt, different name brand that they have, each design is a different kind of material. And they're all made differently. They're all different kinds of things. And people have their preferences. Go take a look. Trashmith.com. It really is fantastic stuff. And if you go to tracksmith.com slash rambling runner, or just use code rambling runner at checkout, you can save $15 on your first order. So let's get into it with Stevie Lynn. Okay, here we go. We're the second installment here with Stevie Lynn Smith from Inside Tracker. Uh, a few months ago, actually in September, we had the first version of this call taking a full, um, I don't even know exactly what you'd call, but basically all the biomarkers uh, with the insider track ultimate test. And we had a panoply of recommendations and things that can be optimized. Things were looking pretty good. I took another test a couple weeks ago, the same sort of thing with a with an added inner age component. 
which Inside Tracker is now using, which is kind of fun. Like, all right, you, everyone knows their chronological age. And now we have an inner age component. We'll definitely talk about that. And this is kind of like, I know what I'm doing from a, from a running perspective and all of that. But this is another way of looking at exactly how or if, big one here is if, I am progressing uh, and in which ways I am or am not. So, Stevie, thank you so much for coming on again. Of course. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me and uh, excited to dive in to see what's changed, what hasn't, and uh, how's the running going? So, the running had been going fairly well. It is paused currently because of a small knee issue, Um, not something overly dramatic but enough to stop the running. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll pick that back up again. Uh, and hopefully in the meantime, I can start cross training. But at, at the moment, not, no no running is happening. Uh, actually, no biking or, or elliptical either at the moment. But hopefully by the end of the week, we can, we can get that going. Um, actually, after this call... I'm talking to Frank Laura, and then hopefully I'm talking to my PT. So that's that's the that's today's plan. <laughs> but you do these sorts of calls with a lot of people. So while I am the host of this show and, and I'm used to kind of navigating the conversation, this is your area of expertise. You do this sort of thing all the time. So I'm gonna kind of you know give you control of the car and let you kind of steer it however you want to get going. All right. Then let's go. Sorry to hear about the knee, but always better to be more conservative early than try and push through it. So I give you a big, big gold star with that one. But let's dive into your blood work here. And starting from the top, we are looking to see that your lipid group is up first. Um, So a lot of people are familiar with this panel. Cholesterol levels um, is the more more common way that people understand this group. So we have a number of different markers in here. Again, people are familiar with total cholesterol, good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. Um, and I want to start with the good in this group here because... It's is there easy. good in this group? Are we there sure? Good. There is good because your HDL, also known as your good cholesterol, that was at 49. So it was unoptimized on your first test. And you bumped that up to 57 into your green optimized zone. And that is awesome. Um, Good to have that level up in our optimized zone. We want that good cholesterol. Um, You know, this acts as a cholesterol scavenger, takes that extra cholesterol in the bloodstream so it can be broken down and eliminated in the liver. Um, This one is a little bit more of a stubborn biomarker as well. It's a little bit harder to move the needle on this one. So also why I'm giving you a big gold star here, right? Always focus on the good. Um, so that's awesome. The rest of your your cholesterol group, we still need to work on. Um, for this one, your numbers have started to trend up. Your bad cholesterol, your triglycerides, and your total cholesterol. Um, so I'm wondering what we had been kind of doing with your diet. Um, that might have caused this to increase? Well, it's not going to be too much of a mystery. Oh, wow. <laughs> just tell you that. Uh, yeah, I've been eating a large number of animal products uh, with almost every single meal and almost every single snack. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, right, I mean, right from the minute I woke up all the way through to right before bed, just animal products all the way through. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, obviously we see that that's not working out so well. Um, <laughs> and, you know, one of the big things with this group and also at Inside Tracker that we like to make note of is that we like to focus on what you can add into your diet rather than the so much, uh, no, 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 you shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't eat that. There's a lot of that that flies around in the universe. Um, And well, of course, certain foods, like you mentioned, animal products, depending on what type of animal product, and I say that in how much saturated fat is in that animal product, are going to bring these numbers up. And it is definitely um, something I would like you to look at and see, you know, maybe where can we make a shift and adjustment um, looking to decrease particularly that saturated fat number, that's going to have the greatest impact on this group, but also where we can add in more soluble fiber. I saw on your Instagram story, <laughs> you were doing a burrito with rice and beans. I think it was yesterday. And yeah. I was like, I think his lipid group is going to be unoptimized <laughs> because soluble fiber is one of uh you know, one of the best things that help bring these numbers down is how soluble fiber acts in the body. It helps your body get rid of that extra cholesterol. Um, and whole grains and legumes are some of the best sources of soluble fiber. So, you know, this is kind of where people go and they do like their meatless Monday or they do plant-based, you know, try to swap in some plant-based meals. Not saying that you have to go like totally quit (laughs) animal products, but being more mindful and seeing, okay, where can I make a swap to make this meal, you know, a plant forward or plant focused meal. Um, And also being intentional with whole grains. Um, Sometimes I see runners fall a little bit short, right? Because, you know, we have workouts and we don't want to eat fiber around our workouts, right? Because that usually leads to GI distress. So that plays into some of this as well. Um, So, you know, pick a couple whole grains. You know, I always say people just like one legume a week, um, one bean, and see how you can start to incorporate those into your day as well. That will be really impactful for this group. Okay, so what do you guys think of this episode? Do you want to do something like this? Are you jealous of the access that I'm getting right now with Stevie? Well, I'll tell you what, it's a pleasure for me to be able to do something like this and you can do it too. So starting today, we have a seven day window where we're going to have an inside tracker uh, giveaway. You can have this exact same experience. You can have their inside tracker ultimate test and a one-on-one consult with one of their registered dietitians. Exactly what I am doing in this episode. It's a $700. Basically, basically what you're getting out of this is something that would normally cost you $700. You can get it for free and you can do so by just going into the show notes and signing up for the giveaway. That's all you have to do. So easy and just so unbelievably worth it. I'll tell you what, I recorded this episode, not this episode, but this interview with Stevie Lynn a few weeks ago. And since then, I've made major changes and it's something that was a real big you know, slap in the face for me, but like, hey, this is what's really going on in your body. And I'm really starting to address a lot of this stuff. And I'm proud of myself for taking these steps. I didn't take it as seriously as I needed to in the fall. And I have learned my lesson. So don't be like me, the September Matt, who got his first sets of results. Be like March Matt. Get your results Act on them and be the best version of you. Go to Inside Tracker. Uh, let me get the actually make sure I get the actually. No, I'm not going to tell you the link because ultimately, what I want you to do is go into the show notes because there's a very special link in there that brings you to the giveaway. 
and it's the URL is crazy. If I read it to you, it will take you 30, it will take me 30 minutes to read it and you won't be able to write it down anyway. So just go into the show notes, click on the giveaway and you are just going to love this experience. If you get it also, if you just say you don't win the giveaway, right? Only one person is going to win. And if you don't win, hey, that's a bummer, but that's okay. But if you use code, let me get this for you, rambling runner, you're going to save 25% at checkout if you want to get the ultimate package for yourself. So you'll be able to save money even if you don't win the dough, you know, win the giveaway, you'll save plenty of dough with code Rambling Runner 25% on any of the tests that you can purchase at insidetracker.com. All right, so I know we're, we'll talk about holistic and comprehensive changes kind of near the end, and like we did last time. I will say, just as a primer for that part of the conversation, I'm willing to do at this point anything. So if going plant based is the way to go, I'm 100% in, uh, not to, in full disclosure. I've basically been plant-based for the past four days after getting my results. I was scared straight, so to speak. Um, and let's put, let's put numbers to these totals. I know you're looking at the numbers and you're not sharing them because I know that, you know, this is, um, you know, my personal information, but I, I do want to share. So I want to give you permission. If you want to share the numbers, please do. I'm going to share them if you don't anyway. So, um, total cholesterol being, 309 uh, in the September test, it was around 288, which was already high. And now I'm, you know, even higher. <laughs> LDL, uh, 216. Um, and then I don't, and triglycerides, 185, right? So those are those the, the whole lipid group here. Yeah. Am I missing something? Is ALT lipid group? I, I see that's also in my, my, one of my many big red dots on my biomarkers. ALT is a liver enzyme. So okay, the right. group is your LDL cholesterol or bad cholesterol, your HDL cholesterol, triglycerides, and total cholesterol. Gotcha. Gotcha. And if people see me looking down, it's because I have the Inside Tracker app in front of me on my phone, which I will say is really, really useful. <laughs> so when I first started using Inside Tracker, you guys didn't have this app. And it was always like, it'd be really great if we had this app. It'd be so much easier. Um, and it is. So. Thank you for for coming up with that. Thank our thank our team that's worked so hard. It's 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 definitely fun. It's a great tool to have at your hands for sure. All right, let me let me ask about the cholesterol stuff. Um, so when people think of like you know having high cholesterol, you know what? How does that negatively impact me? I think oftentimes people will immediately gravitate towards like you know some sort of cardiac event being a potential um, high risk factor here. Beyond that, and I'm not going to minimize that, that is important. Are there potential, um, just, you know, how, how it can hurt me as an athlete? Like, cause if you're, th I'm thinking like, all right, if my cholesterol is super high, that just means that less blood flow is happening, blood carrying the nutrients and the red blood cells and the oxygen. Like, how is high cholesterol potentially affecting me as an athlete from a performance perspective? Yeah. So, of course, you, you hit the big one. You know, we have to be concerned about our cardiovascular health, um, any sort of cardiovascular events. Um, I mean, that's really one of the main negative um, consequences. There are a number of other things that, you know, can be associated with, um, you know, your lipid panel being high, mostly high. Um, you know, one of the things is elevated um, fasting blood sugar, you know, with your high triglyceride levels. That's always a concern. 
um, you know, healthy levels of cholesterol. It's one of those things where more is not better. Um, you know, healthy levels of that number are important for maintaining your energy, your metabolism. Um, so, you know, this, again, you nailed it, can lead to that constriction in your blood vessels. Again, could potentially cause damage to your heart. And of course, when there's any sort of heart damage, there is potential that it could impact your ability to, um, I'm saying this is in very extreme cases, of course, um, to exercise regularly, um, like you, you hope to, um, those are kind of like the biggest overarching, um, you know, negative potential consequences of, um, your lipid panel being unoptimized. Is there any scientific research for um, just the ability to like just deliver red blood cells around the system if the arteries are being constrained? So, yeah, I mean, your arteries are constricted. There is going to be um, a constriction in blood flow for sure. Basically, can you just tell me this is why I'm not hitting my workout paces because of my high cholesterol? Is that basically what I'm asking you to tell me? Basically, <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> But your, you know, your heart is working harder when those blood vessels are constricted. Okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. All right, <laughs> fine, fine. I guess that's not. I can't. That's not the silver bullet reason for all the the the, the training mishaps. Um, all right, so that was the lipid group. Where do you want to go to next? So next up, um, I wanted to look at your blood sugar group quickly. Um, so your there's two markers in this group. We have our fasting blood sugar, so your glucose, and your hemoglobin A1C, which is your average blood sugar level. Um, that second number, the HbA1c, gives us a snapshot of where your blood sugars are sitting over about a three-month period. Um, so it can tell us if they're sitting higher um, or if they're sitting kind of in that nice optimal range. Um, I wanted to point out your blood sugar because your fasting blood sugar did go down a little bit, which is good. Um, you're getting back down towards that optimized zone. This is why I want to talk about that. <laughs> so that is awesome. Um, your A1C that I mentioned, the HbA1C, went up ever so slightly. You're right at that top top of your optimized zone there. Um, and like I said, like I mentioned earlier, when you were asking about the triglycerides, right? Um, people with elevated levels of triglycerides are at a higher risk for having poor blood sugar control or higher blood sugars. Um, I know you mentioned your liver enzymes as well. That's all, they're also, those are also tied together. Um, so I wanted to point it out as, you know, if we can really focus in on honing on one group, like your lipid group, it can potentially, I'm not saying it's going to, it can potentially also have a positive impact on other biomarker groups. So I wanted to point that out. Um, so it's great that that fasting blood sugar went down a little bit. So I did not want to skim past some improvements there for you as well. Um, I did notice, unless you have any questions about your blood sugar group, I was going to go to inflammation next. Uh, no, we can save that for the end. Okay. Um, so going to your inflammation group, we have a, a number of markers we measure in this group. Um, including white blood cells and a number of different white blood cells, um, which those all looked great, which is awesome. And then we also test another marker called HSCRP, or high sensitivity C-reactive protein. 
So this we measure because it's a very good marker of general inflammation throughout the body. Um, you know, inflammation, some inflammation is a good thing. Of course, we don't want to have too much inflammation and carrying around that inflammation all the time. Um, you know, inflammation is the body's reaction to protect itself from harmful substances or toxins. Um, exercise does create inflammation. And, you know, like I said, we do want some of that, right? Because that's how we're going to get stronger, faster, um, kind of that little bit of response from our training. It's part of training adaptations. Again, we just don't want too much of it. Um, and your number did go up from 1.8 to 2.2. And just for people listening or watching, uh, Matt's optimized zone is 0.0 to 0.7. So it's a very kind of small range, like window there. So since you told me you have this like little knee issue going on, I am gathering that that is probably the cause of this. This, the knee issue happened after the test. After the test. Okay. Yes. Then not so much for that. It's probably your training volume a little bit more than anything. So there is always something that causes the inflammation. There's always going to be a cause. Um, The reason I like thought knee injury is because sometimes when athletes come to me with an injury or they're recovering from an injury, this number will bump up from something like that. Um, this just could be the inflammation. You know, we it's okay that that number goes up with our training, but we want it to drop back down. So I'm wondering if your training volume and your training load um, until this point were playing into this inflammation number. I, again, I have, I'm not a professional. I will say this. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. So if you listen to my coach and pose him this question, you'd be like, well, Matt isn't training as much as we would like. Okay. So, um, you know, basically over the past six weeks or so, um, maybe even eight weeks prior, I mean, prior to the knee injury. So prior to like 10 days ago, frankly, um, I was averaging around 35, 36 miles a week, running six days a week. And not doing really much um, cross training in addition to that. So, um, I mean, that's that's a reasonable amount of volume, but it was nothing. You know, not not only was it nothing extreme, just generally, it wasn't a whole lot different than my body had been used to. You know, say a year ago at this time, or you know, for a whole decade or so. When I'm training at a, a fairly consistent level, it's usually around those numbers. Okay. And I, I do bring up the training particularly because you are a runner and running does tend to lead to high, the pounding is different. You know, still, maybe this is not all from your running, right? This bump, you know, elevated HSCRP is strongly tar- tied with those cardiovascular markers, your lipid panel. So that would indicate to me, you know, it wasn't your injury. Okay, we looked at your training volume. It's nothing crazy. Maybe you need to add in more cross training um, in, you know, kind of in that training regimen or that training plan to avoid, you know, six days of pounding on the pavement. Maybe it's five days of running, throwing in a cross training day, looking at that. Um, But also, again, let's tie back to improving that lipid panel um, because HSCRP is also very closely tied to that. And um, because they're both high, we definitely want to work on getting that down. And I don't know if like the X and Y axis is, I mean, the, obviously the, 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 I always mix them up. Is the Y axis the vertical one? Yeah. Okay. So the Y axis, I don't know if the Y axis, these 
uh, a couple things I'm going to say are um, aligned together. But if you just took the graph of my bad cholesterol and um, this HSCRP, like they would go going up the exact same slope. Mm-hmm. So that definitely ties into what you're saying as well. Of like, hey, maybe it's the cause is the same because it definitely went up at the same rate. Yep, definitely. And uh, this is why I like talking uh, talking out these uh, results with people as well, just kind of as a side note, because then we can work together to kind of figure out like, okay, what is the root cause of this inflammation? There's always a cause. We have to address it um, and kind of, you know, direct us and guide you to where you need to make um, the most impactful changes there too. Um, next up, if you're, I just want to make sure you don't have any more questions or concerns about that or anything else you wanted to. No, that's fine. Cool. Um, next up is your testosterone group. Um, we will take a closer look at that. Um, this is a very useful tool for anyone who's training, but also, um, you know, lifing is very stressful being an adult, um, managing all the things. So this group can kind of show us, uh, you know, especially as athletes, are we getting enough rest? Are we getting enough recovery? Are we managing all of our stress, um, that we have? Um, I like to always remind everybody that stress is stress. If it's good stress, bad stress, running stress, it's all thrown in that same bucket to me. Um, so both your uh, total testosterone and your free testosterone went down a little bit more. Um, so, you know, this shows me that we need to look at sleep and your rest and recovery. Um, I know you mentioned you ate a lot of animal products, but we also, you know, want to make sure that you're getting enough of those unsaturated, those healthy fats in as well, because um, those are going to have the most impact on this group for sure. Yeah. Um, sleep is usually during the week i would say over the major course of the last couple months sleep has been pretty consistent uh during the week mm-hmm. it's been around five to six hours on the weekend it's been around seven okay um seven between six between six and a half and seven and a half on the weekends five and a half to six on the weekdays has been pretty consistent okay Definitely would like to see that number bumped up if possible. Again, sleep is one of those things that something has to get sacrificed. Um, and it's always easy for me to tell someone to sleep more. But um, I also do recognize that people <laughs> have many responsibilities. And sometimes that inhibits sleep, whether it's family, work, community, et cetera, et cetera. But I can definitely and I can definitely sleep more. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not I, I'm, I can't I can't do a 10 hour night. Yeah. Oh. Even an eight-hour night. I mean, basically, waking the, my wake-up time has been is pretty rock solid, set in stone. So, like on weekdays, like I need to get out of bed at five thirty. That's the way it goes. Weekends, there is some variability. Like there are certain times where I need to get my workout in before the kids wake up. I just know it's going to be a crazy day. There are other weekend days where I do have the flexibility of, of working out in the morning at say nine o'clock in the morning. Right. There's certain days where I'm not going to be able to do that. So um, my weekdays from a wake up time are very consistent, but I don't have to go to bed at 1130. Um, I can't go to bed at 930 oftentimes, but I could go to bed at 1030, say. Yeah. I mean, as close as you could get to that seven hours would probably, I would like to see how that would change um, this group in particular. Um, I mean, everybody needs different sleep, but sleep 
you know, has different sleep requirements. There we go. <laughs> but uh, obviously what you've been doing, this number dropped a little bit. So let's see if we can bump it up to help bump these numbers up as well. Um, next up is your B12. Um, your B12 is now high, touching almost that red zone. Um, it went from 698 to 1,084. Can I Almost ask, doubled. Right? Can I ask if you've been taking a supplement? Yeah, I've been taking a multivitamin. Okay. That's, uh, we actually just dropped a, a new blog on this that Ashley Reber, our lead nutrition scientist, wrote um, about if you should take a multivitamin. And this is one of the reasons that we typically don't recommend it is because there can be, I think one of the other dietitians said she saw like 2,000% of your vitamin B12, some crazy number can be in a multivitamin. Multivitamins often have loads of B12 that people don't actually need. Um, and again, it's not more is better uh, for B12. Of course, B12 is very important. Um, but you can also see it's it's not as common, but you can see negative effects like skin rashes, anxiety, lightheadedness, dizziness. Some people even get like vomit and get sick um, with high levels of B12. So I definitely recommend that you stop taking that supplement. Um, you know, knowing that you are eating animal products, you know, that's one of the main sources of B12. You are probably more than fine with just your diet alone, but I would definitely stop that, um, ASAP so we can help to, that number can come back down for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's an easy fix. <laughs> let me ask, let me ask this question. Uh -huh. Should I do both of those things? Because I'm at this point. Again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your advice. I didn't do a great job the first time. So I'm going to follow your advice this time. Um, but this is kind of, I guess we'll just talk about it now since we keep kind of beating around the bush. So um, I'm fine. Well, first of all, like for my family life, like we have like, like a weekly dinner at my in-laws. I can see their house from where I'm sitting. Uh -huh. um, and my parents live three miles away. Okay. So we eat with them consistently. Um and they're very good cooks, and I enjoy that experience. I was thinking about basically framing it as this. Like, when I'm at home or preparing my own meals, you know, whether that's, on, you know, not that I'm on the road very often, but, you know, basically when I'm in control of the meal, being plant-based, and then if I'm going over to one of their houses, I'm not going to be as discerning, right, if they're making lasagna, right? Like, then I will have las the lasagna, right? Um... Uh, just because I don't want to put them out and I do enjoy it. So it's not as if like I don't enjoy these foods, but basically creating that kind of dichotomy. It's like when I'm at my home and when I'm in control of what's what I'm eating, that I'm going to be plant based. And then when, you know, these other times, which is, you know, one or twice, tw you know, once or twice a week. So it's not going to be that infrequent. Then I'm just I'm kind of opening up the potential options. Yeah, no, I think that's a great option. Of course, um, you know, I'm always feel very strongly as a dietitian that. Uh, I'm here to support you in what you choose and how to make you approach your diet and your nutrition um, in the most healthful way possible. Um, and if you want to take that approach, I definitely think it's something that could will you know benefit those that lipid profile. Um, but I won't sit here and tell you you have to do it, right? Um, but I think that's a good kind of balanced approach to eating more plant forward. Um, some people like to go all or nothing. I don't think you have to go all or nothing, but I think making some big changes and that sounds to me, the way you say it as something that's, I want it to be sustainable as well. 
I don't, you know, it shouldn't be anything where you feel like, oh my God, I can't go to my parents or my in-laws and like eat whatever it might be, like you said, lasagna. Um, but just when you have that control, like you mentioned, making those more plant forward choices, I think that will only benefit you. Um, you know, and then as you continue to retest all those things that we might have to worry about for like our vegetarian, vegans, those biomarkers, you'll be able to see those things, you know, if you're falling short in B12, you know, on the opposite end. But I think, um, obviously, like you said, you know, we're kind of recognizing that you need to make some big changes. Um, and I think that one sounds like uh, one that is going to be something you can succeed at. It sounds like you already have a pretty good plan and a good support system. So I think that's, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know my love and affection for Prevenex. It's my favorite supplement brand. I always take their multivitamin. I always take their Joint Health Plus, and I live and die by that. But with that said, the other thing that I have every single day is the Prevenex Neurofy Shake. I just love it. I mean, I literally, this is my um, my schedule every morning. I wake up with the kids. I do all their stuff. I get them ready for school. And at 730, I have my shake. All right. Drop off the kids around 8.30 at school, and then I just literally drive from the school, and then I go for my run. And it works out perfectly. I have that shake about an hour before my run, and it's perfection. I get all the nutrients I need. It tastes great. I'm full, but I'm not too full. You know what I mean? The run still goes really, really well. And it's just perfection. I love it. So I'm telling you, if you want to have the breakfast that not only fuels you, gives you a ton of nutrients, tastes good, and is incredibly quick and easy to make, you cannot go wrong with Neurofy Plus. So go over to Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And use code RUNNER15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order today. All right. Oh, so, so, oh, so this so that uh, the reason I brought it up there was if that's the plan, and it is the plan at this point. Um, should I then discontinue the the multivitamin, knowing that I'll be basically discontinuing so many of the the animal products? So I think still don't take the multivitamin. I think going plant forward um, would definitely be helpful. And I'm seeing now. I'm scrolling down that. Um, your red blood cell magnesium bumped up into the high category. So um, that's another indicator that, you know, this multivitamin is probably not a great choice for you. Um, I'm going to gather that's what is going to be the cause of bumping that up into the high zone. Um, So I think for that group also be beneficial to cut the magnesium. And then when you retest, if something, um, you know, going more plant forward something looks off or is dropping low, then we're going to catch it, right? Remember, our zones are set up for you and to take you from good to great. Um, So, you know, it's kind of catching it before it would become an issue, right? Um, So I think that's definitely a good approach looking at that number as well. Um, Your vitamin D looks excellent, which is great knowing you live in the Northeast. And the sun is coming out again, hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. It was five degrees on my run this morning, but you know, <laughs> we're just, we're going to be optimistic with that one. Um, your iron group also looks good. Um, your creatine kinase, which is an enzyme found in the muscles looks awesome. And Hey, your cortisol went down a little bit. That's good. Hey, 
We're going to give you a gold star. See, it's not all bad. Lots of gold stars in this blood work here. Oh, isn't that nice? It is. Um, so that's awesome. So let's see. Next up are your liver enzymes. I know you had um, a question about that. So we have do have a number of liver enzymes um, here. The first two, your ALT and AST, are also found in the muscle. Um, so some of that can potentially be from a little bit of muscle damage. Um, but your GGT, the third one there, is only found in the liver, and that bumped up as well. Um, so we definitely are going to want to work on trying to optimize this group. Um, these are all really important and um, detoxifying, energy producing, and kind of just like overall housekeeping reactions that, you know, happen in the liver. Um, so we want to see where we can help to improve these. Um, you know, some of this elevation does have the potential to be tied to that lipid panel as well, um, like I mentioned earlier. So definitely thinking, you know, the biggest thing is seeing, um, you know, how we can improve that lipid panel. And we already kind of recapped on that one as well. Um, of course, also, if you do take anything like any over-the-counter pain relievers, um, that can play into these numbers as well a little bit. Um, so just something to consider there. I know a lot of runners are very quick to take some of those for those minor aches and pains. Um, so something else to consider. Um, that would be you know, the biggest things to, you know, kind of help their vitamin E rich foods can also help this group a little bit. Um, vitamin E mainly found in nuts and seeds. I've become a big sunflower seed butter fan um, because sunflower seed butter has significantly more vitamin E than something um, other nut butters, other seeds. Um, so that's something, I mean, I, this group is a little unoptimized for me. I'm happy to share that. So I've kind of made that big swap out. So, um, you know, just looking at those things, but like we already kind of touched on, I think if we address that lipid panel, that some of these other markers are going to also see some improvements as well. All right. Yeah. Is that all the stuff? That's all the stuff. All right. Let's talk about inner age then, because I was like, man, I've just turned 40. That's crazy. My inner age is about to turn 50. Um, so my chronological age is 40.1, turned 40 on Jan in January, and my inner age, however, is 48.5, not exactly what I wanted to see the first time I used this metric. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so let's dive into that. I know it's just kind of like a culmination of a lot of the biomarkers we already talked about, uh, but can you provide any other insight into you know, how I should look at this or, or things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So our, you know, inner age has gotten um, a pretty great upgrade. Um, so we have our new inner age, but um, for those who can't see uh, what we're looking at on the back ends of, you know, kind of, you know, Matt's blood work here is that, as he mentioned, um, there are a number of biomarkers we already talked about that come into play when calculating your inner age. And these are taken um, in this InterAge 2.0 using our user data. Um, so that's part of the reason it's awesome because it's using our user data. So a lot of clinical data that uh, we use in InterAge 1.0 was based on studies 
um, and a lot of research, which is a lot of that was from kind of sick, not healthy, active individuals, because those are the kind of people you tend to get for research studies. So now Interage 2.0 takes it from comparing people just like Matt around his age. Around right. It says strength of calculation. <laughs> Excellent. Meaning we're not unsure. We know exactly what we're talking about. With so this now interage, in interage 2.0 for Stevie, for me, is taking um, user from very active females around age 32. So it really gives us, you know, like a little bit more of that accurate picture because it's based on someone, you know, individuals, your peers, just like you. And you can see of the biomarkers here tested, which are impacting your inner age the most, you know, the plus 2.1 years at LDL level. So that bad cholesterol, Um, you know, your triglycerides, your one of your liver enzymes, your free testosterone, HSCRP. So you can see what's adding on. Yeah, the lipid panel just skyrockets the number. Yes, exactly. Um, And I know like your question about that was how it's going to impact your performance. And of course, <laughs> performance is always a good goal. Um, but we don't. Can I can, I can I do like a BQ on my inner age versus my chronological age? Is that something that we can work into this? Can you guys work with the BAA on this? Yeah, I know. We should figure that out. I always compete with one of our younger male employees of our inner age, <laughs> saying that I'm you know trying to get younger than him. Um, but yeah, so you know, obviously. Um, we all want to perform better, but I do always like to remember that we have to be healthy and I want you, uh, I want you to be like that hundred year old marathoner. Um, and I'll be like, I know that guy, (laughs) we got his lipids in order. So, um, you know, this should just be a little bit more motivation to kind of work on those numbers as well. So you can drop that. It sure is. Yep. It sure is. Um, so I mean, it's it's just it's one of those things where now we have the data in front of us, right? And you can say, okay, these are the action steps I'm going to take, and this should help improve X, Y, and Z. Um, this is where I'm going to start, and then you know retest and say like, okay, my lipid panel went down significantly by going mostly plant based, or you know you kind of go halfway. You can say, oh, okay, like eating beans twice a week did have a small impact, but like maybe I'm going to eat more beans, right? To see a greater impact. Um, so you just kind of, it's kind of like when you see your run pieces and you're like, okay, like I got into the seven minute miles. I want to get faster. It's like, okay, these are the numbers and this is how I'm going to, it's just like a training plan the way I see it. You know, that running, running nerd way. Um, and inner age can just be another um, kind of fuel that fire as well. All right. I like it. So the next test is um, penciled in for May 18th. So then we'll do that. Um, I am excited to really get this moving. Um, I feel like I have a little bit more clarity on what to do. I think last time we had this conversation, I had, you know, I had some not, they didn't mean to be, but they ha- I had a couple competing voices in terms of what to do food wise. And then from there, I basically just picked and choose without any real discernment in terms of like what was the correct thing. Um, I mean, you know, it's not that like I just went for convenience every single time. Um, it was definitely like, all right, like I think this is working. I did lose some weight. Um, but ultimately I kind of sacrificed my health in a couple of ways because I really leaned in on the, um, not that I went keto or anything, but I kind of was like, trending there more than 
um, embracing um, the whole grains because I couldn't. What I did before our test was that I just was eating everything, and that was kind of the plan. It was like, hey, eat all this food, then you won't snack because you won't be hungry. Joke was on me. I still was snacking all the time in addition to having these monstrous meals, and I gained like six pounds in like twenty days. It was insane. Um, so I was able to shed that weight. So when I started this journey, I was 188 pounds. <laughs> I bumped up to like 194 after like a month, which was not ideal. And then, uh, I'm back down. So now I'm at 182, 183 ish, um, which was, you know, better. Yeah. But I've been at that range now for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what I weighed last year at this time. So, um, while it's nice to be less than what I was when I started and certainly better to be one in the mid one nineties where I was again, I'm five foot nine to put that in perspective and I don't lift weights. So it's not muscle mass. Um, so uh, it definitely, you know, I think when I was running again, you know, I don't want to be too hard on myself, but when I have been fairly fit and I've never been like super duper fit, like I've never qualified for Boston. I've never run a sub 19 5k, um, so I'm talking like post college here when I was, you know, in the college athlete. So I've never been like super duper fit during that time. Um, but even then I was usually in the 158 to 162 weight range. Um, even during that time. So, uh, not, not even that, not to say that even that was ideal, but I think that was, I was kind of comfortably in that range when I was, um, eating fairly well and exercising more. So I'm 20 pounds to 25 pounds max of that um right now and i think if we you know you start to just focus on the things you can do to improve your biomarkers i think just making those changes should also help you reach your goal focusing on health and you know fueling and nourishing those whole grains is gonna be a really positive shift for you all right. Sounds good. Stevie, thank you so much for hopping on the call and for helping me. I really appreciate it. Uh, if people want to get in on the Inside Tracker bandwagon, I couldn't recommend it more. You saw why today. <laughs> so this didn't, this, I'm not doing this to sell anybody. I'm just helping me. You're just, you know, getting a glimpse into it. But if you're interested, you can go to insidetracker.com forward slash rambling runner, save 25%, and you can get in on the action as well. The app here, I used to say this thing, it's great. It's great. It's, I mean, it's horrifying because I'm looking at my own stats, but from a usability standpoint, it's fantastic. Um, Stevie, thank you so much for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It was great. Thank you. Stevie, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so looking forward to our next conversation in three months so I can show you how, how I'm just killing it on all these things. I've been doing through the Inside Tracker app every night, 8 p.m. I get the check-in notification, been checking in, been checking all the boxes, not everyone every time, but like 90% of them feeling really good about how things are progressing. I'm really excited. And this new Inside Tracker app is no joke. They didn't have it in the fall. This is a brand new thing and I'm loving it. It's making things a lot easier for me to stay on top of the things that I know I need to stay on top of. And I'm the one, I'm the kind of person that needs accountability mechanisms to stay on top of stuff. And that's exactly what it's providing. Also, big ups to our sponsors, Tracksmith, Inside Tracker, of course, and in addition to that, Prevenex, thank you all, all the time for supporting me in this Mastering 40 journey. Please support those companies if you like these podcasts, because hey, not only, not only am I grateful that they're sponsoring this show and they're you know, providing support for me, but 
the reason I reached out to these companies in the first place was I already used their products. That's how it worked. It wasn't like I cast a wide net. Hey, do you guys want to sponsor this thing? Maybe I'll try out your stuff and I'll like it. No, no, no. It was the other way around. It was like, okay, what stuff do I want to be part of my journey? Because I trust them and I love them already. And these are the companies that absolutely fit the bill. So go check them out today. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.